Okay, uh, g'day, it's uh, Mick Ryan here again. I'm the commander of the Australian Defence College and today I'm talking with uh, Professor Audrey Kurth Cronin who is a professor at the School of International Service at um, American University in Washington, D.C. Um, and today we're going to talk about innovation and I guess I'll throw straight to Audrey because we don't have a lot of time, but one of the key ideas explained in your most recent article and parameters is about open and closed innovation. Can you talk about that? Sure. I can see a sharp contrast between the kind of innovation that has been occurring in the Western world and throughout the world uh, in the latter part of the 20th century and the 21st century, which was mainly open innovation, um, and that which occurred with most of the 20th century. So a lot of the models that we're drawing in order to understand the future of warfare and the future of military technology in particular are based upon a closed period of innovation, a period when organizations, military institutions drove major military projects and things like nuclear weapons and aircraft and very high capital, extremely secretive projects. But we're, we're in a period now that's a lot closer to what happened at the end of the 19th century, when you had individual tinkerers and hobbyists and individuals throughout the world who were developing things mainly for commercial reasons and had access to a lot of technology themselves. And out of that period at the end of the 19th century came things like the airplane and the radio and uh, stable high explosives. All of those were cr critical to the First and Second World Wars, but military institutions had not appropriately predicted what was going to happen in those two wars, mainly because they were not really paying a lot of attention to what was happening in society where the innovation was happening. No, I think um, the point you make differentiating between the second and third industrial revolutions is really interesting. Um, you know, the second industrial revolution, which kicked off at the end of the 19th century and ended with pretty much the, the First World War, uh, trans, transformed societies, but it transformed, transformed warfare. Uh, and in many respects, it industrialised it. And uh, many of the senior military leaders just didn't anticipate the breadth and depth of change uh, that was going to occur, not just in the First World War, but the interwar period and, and the Second World War. Um, do you see that uh, something similar potentially happening, happening in military institutions and how they conduct military operations over the coming decades? Yes, I'm very concerned about the degree to which military institutions are focusing upon the technology versus technology approach rather than looking at what's emerging from society because I think they're going to have to adapt from that broader social process of innovation. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of scholarship out there that looks at um, the culture in military institutions and how good they are at changing. I mean, the reality is we, we are good at changing. It's just are we uh, good at changing along the right timelines? Time are we quick enough um, do we have the processes to change at the speed that's required in what is, you know, an accelerating pace of change at the moment? And it's it's a cultural issue, isn't it? It is. And also having taught in a professional military education system myself, I think there's a bias toward looking narrowly at military questions. And also there's a considerable amount of anti-intellectualism, which prevents some of the broader thinking that I think is essential to be able to do the most effective kinds of change, that intellectual development. Yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm 
I, you would expect that I have a bias towards that intellectual development in my in my current appointment. But you know, as we move into the twenty first century, the old military advantages we used to generate through mass and in technology and geography are certainly declining. And we're going to have to become more reliant on, you know, what I call this intellectual edge, developing the intellectual capacity of all our people to work with each other, but also work with the broader national security uh, enterprise. Yes, I agree. And I also think that the military professional model that developed and became so um, so so rigid in many regards has to change. The whole relationship between military and civilian service has to become more permeable for us to succeed in this new era of, of open innovation. Yeah, and you know, I think it also goes to the relationship between military institutions uh, and their societies. So uh, you spoke in your article towards the end about how previous industrial revolutions have uh, disrupted many aspects of societies. And you know, I, do you expect that we'll see something the same out of the current era of change? Oh, I think we've already seen it. And particularly, it's challenging for democracies when you see that pincer movement between authoritarian uh, countries and then those who are using technologies in popular sort of democratized ways. Democracies are in the middle. Yes. And whilst theoretically, we're more open and should generate a wider variety of ideas, sometimes uh, our cultures uh, prevent us doing that, particularly in, in military institutions. Yes, I agree. Things are changing, but probably not changing quickly enough yet. Well, um, that's the end of our six minutes. It's been wonderful to talk to you again, Audrey, and uh, I look forward to continuing this conversation on open innovation and change in this new cognitive age we find ourselves in. Thank you, Mick. I've really enjoyed it.